So if you were at the zoo, right? Have you been to the zoo? Everybody been to the zoo? We have a great zoo in here, here in St. Louis, you know, and I love that it's free in Jesus' name. <laughs> if you were at the zoo and you were walking along and you were walking along one of the paths and maybe you were just headed towards the big cats, okay? Uh, and as you're walking along, you notice on the path that there's a lion, right? Now, the lion is not where the lion is supposed to be. The lion is outside the cage and he's sitting on the path. Now, in that moment, you have a choice. What would you do? Now, I don't know what you would do, but I know what I would do. I would run the other way if I saw a lion. Now, I know some of you are like, well, that's technically not what you should do, Pastor. I've watched the National Geographic Channel, and you're supposed to lay down and eat a candy bar, and it'll be fine. <laughs> he won't mess with you, I promise. Look, hey, I don't care. All I know is i got to run faster than the person with me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know that. And I can do that. I can move pretty good. And so that's just one thing I know. But, but the other thing that you would do is not just be afraid and maybe possibly run. The other thing you would do is if the lion was outside the cage, there's a good chance that you would tell somebody. You know what I mean? You might find that guy serving drinks or serving the Dr. Peppers and say, hey, did you know the lion is out of the cage? We probably should do something about that. Right? Or maybe you find a zookeeper or somebody. You'd, be, you'd just be telling everybody you possibly could because there's a lion. And you don't want people to die. You don't want them to get ate by a lion. Because how many of us love to see those news stories where someone falls in the pit and gets ate by a lion? Matter of fact, I was looking on today's news feed and somebody had that happen. It was like a poacher. He was hanging out with elephants and apparently the elephant mauled him and then the lion ate him. Apparently, apparently, you go out in the jungle, they do that. Just FYI. So if you're ever out there. But the truth is, is that if, if there was a lion, we'd tell somebody. Now, I think, I think if you go a step further, it's not just fear sometimes that motivates us to tell somebody. Sometimes it's love. In other words, if I love somebody, I want to tell them. Right? If I love them, I want them to know. I want to I sing it from the, the, the tops of skyscrapers or something, right? You just want to be like, oh, I love you. Like when I say to my wife, baby, I love you. I just got to express this to you, girl. Shoot. <laughs> You're my boo, baby. I love you. <laughs> she doesn't like it when I call her boo. <laughs> but there is this part of me because it's my heart is motivated to share it. Like something's happened inside me where I want to share it with somebody else. Like I want to tell somebody because of what's happened in my heart. And you're starting to figure it out, aren't you? Is that, is that when you've had an encounter with God that has radically changed who you are as an individual, you're not motivated by fear. You're not motivated just by obedience to what he said. You're motivated by a deeper thing, and that is a love that's radically changed who you are as a person. And now you just want to make sure you tell everybody you possibly can. Because, guys, there's danger. There's danger in this world. There's dangers ahead. And sometimes we don't put those things together, but if we really love people, we would share it with them. We would tell somebody. Agreed? And so... For the next few minutes, I want to talk a little bit about why we don't. Why don't we share the story? Why don't we tell people about the greatest thing that ever happened in history? Why is it? 
Number one, I just want us to look at this one. Number one is that we feel unsure and unqualified. Isn't that true? One of the things I know that's common between a believer and an unbeliever is that any time evangelism is spoken, people get nervous. Both believers and unbelievers. And there's this part of us that sometimes we don't share because we feel unsure, unsure, right? We feel unsure or we feel underqualified or unqualified. Like we don't know what to say. Now I want to share a passage of scripture with you that I believe in my mind settles this issue. Now I don't know if it's going to sell it for you, but I hope it does. So here it is in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to this. Now we have this light shining in our heart. Now why do you have a light shining in your heart? Because Jesus got there. So there's this light shining in your heart. And the Bible says, but, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Then look at this. This is so good. This makes it clear that our great power, right? Power, great power, get that, is from God, not from ourselves. So what is that saying? It's saying that, that when Christ is in me, that means I have a power that is greater than anything else in this world. Make sense? And so whatever that thing is, whatever that thing in my life has become so great that keeps me from being obedient to what God has said, whatever that is, the Bible says that I have greater power. Greater power. And so if I would tap into that, if I would grab hold of that, all of this stuff begins to go away because I have the power to overcome. The Bible talks about this power. is like, it's like, uh, in the Greek, it's like this dunamis. You know where we get the word dunamis? You know what word we get from that? Dynamite. It's dynamite power. It's the kind of power. It's like rocket fuel. It's going to get you off the ground. And it's so important to see that because we all deal with stuff, don't we? We all have fears. We all have people that sometimes walk in a room and for whatever reason, they make us afraid. There's all kinds of things that we run into that sometimes get in our brains. And the thing that we have to do with those things is we have to step back from them and look at them in light of the power that we have through Jesus Christ. Because see, when we see those things through the power, they become smaller, right? Because the greater is he that's in me that's in the world. He's overcome the world. He's given us victory and power over those things. So there shouldn't be anywhere in my life that I'm unsure, right? Or where I feel underqualified to do what Jesus has called me to do. It's important we see this. I don't know if you're getting it yet, but I'm going to keep going because I need you to get it. Because see, see, sometimes these things stand in our way. Let me share a promise with you out of Romans 10. This is Romans 10, verse 13. Look at this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise. And you know, sometimes what I think, sometimes our uncertainty is because we're not certain. Get this. Sometimes we don't share the message Sometimes we don't tell people about what Jesus is doing or what he's done in our life because we feel uncertain. We haven't secured that relationship yet because I can tell you this, that when Christ comes in and does a mighty work in you, the only reasonable response is to express that to the world around you. 
Right? You know the old song. Are we going to put that light under a bushel? No. You don't put it under a bushel because you know that light is going to shine forth in these, these, these clay pots because the very power of God is inside them. And that's what we've got to see. So it doesn't matter what's in front of us, the person or the thing. We have power to overcome that. We have power to be certain of our salvation is what the Bible says. You don't ever have to wonder. Today is your day. If you ever wake up wondering, today is the day that you can be certain of what Jesus has done on your behalf. And you can move out to the world in that kind of certainty. You never have to wonder. Look at this in Luke 12, 12. I love this. For the Holy Spirit, this is brilliant, guys. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what needs to be said. You ever walked into a You're like, man, I don't even know what to say. Right? Part of the reason we don't share our faith is because we're like, I, I, I say it wrong. I might, I might not do it right. And so, so, so we hold back because we're worried what that person's going to say. But look, let me tell you, I'm giving you full proof. And next week, I'll give you the hows. But today, I'll give you a foolproof full plan. And that is, just tell them what Jesus has done in your life. What are they going to do? Get mad at you? Argue with you? No, that didn't happen. Well, I don't care. Just like, like, you know what I mean? Like, just tell them what you did. And if they ask one of those scary questions, just say, that's a great question. And I know somebody that can answer it. I'll get back to you. That's it. Because, guys... Christianity was, has been around for 2,000 years, more than that. You don't think we got answers? We got all kinds of answers. It's just a question of do you know those answers? And sometimes you don't, and that's okay. Humble yourself and just say, hey, I don't know, but I know somebody does, and I'm going to get back to you. Isn't that good? I mean, that'll help you when you're feeling like you don't know what to do. And then, on top of that, the Holy Spirit already says, I'm going to help you. So, pressure's off, people. God is for you. God wants to help you. Why would God be against you when he told you to do it? He wants to help you. He wants you to put your faith and trust. And so often, you know, we think that God is looking for something that he's not. God is, God is not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. He's looking for people that are available to step out in faith and do the thing. God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the call in other words he's going to help you do what he's called you to do and so we don't have to be unsure we don't ever have to wonder if we're unqualified because God is with us that's good news number two is we're afraid we're just afraid and so because of our fear we allow that wall to stand in front of us doing what God has called us to do look at this in Joshua 1 9 I love this it says this is my command be strong and courageous look at that do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go now I don't know if you've ever been to a Christmas service but sometimes we sing about this guy named Emmanuel and Emmanuel means God with us. And so what's happening is not only in Joshua is God with us, God is with us now. God is with us in the very presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That same God back then that was saying, don't be afraid of those big old giants. He was saying to you and to me, do not allow the things of this world to stand in the blessing that I want to give you. You put your faith and your trust in me and watch 
what I'll do. Come on, that's good stuff. I mean, I'm just saying. Number three, some of you are excited, some of you are not. It's okay. Number three, here's the, second, here's the third one, is that we are unintentional. Now, what does that mean? Well, we never think about it. We never create space or time in our lives. We never write down names and pray specifically for those names. We just kind of leave it out there and say, you know, hopefully someday, maybe, that God will do something. Guys, let me just tell you, very rarely does God work that way. God is interested in his people taking steps of faith. Say, what we do a lot of times, we sit down and we say, okay, God, you want to work, do it. And he's like, get up. Like, seriously, get up. And, and you take that step of faith, whatever that is, maybe to talk to your friend or maybe to do this thing, or, but take that step of faith. And the moment you take that step of faith, the power of God is released in your life to do the thing that he wants you to do. And then you take another step, more power. Another step, more power. You getting it? But if, well, we, we want to sit down and be like, eh, well, you know, it, it'll, it'll show up eventually. No, 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 guys. God is interested in growing your faith. He, God can do miracles. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not like, wow, man, I really need this guy to help me. No, 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 no. He wants to help you grow in your faith. He wants to help you become the person that he wants you to be in this world. And so often we're not intentional about that, and we're definitely not intentional about it as it relates to evangelism. And I just want to encourage you, create a little list. Just put three names, three names on that list that you just pray for, that you pray for, right? You, you, you seek the Lord on their behalf. You, you, you invest in that relationship. And then maybe, just maybe, you ask them the question at some point. But you just spend some time doing that intentionally. See, what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.2 is that we should preach the word and be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. It's that old thing is being, being prepared in season and out of season to give a word for your faith. See, see, God has done a work in your life and your job is to make sure people know about it. Now, one of the things I, I just want to say is what happens is we treat evangelism kind of like cold calls. If you're a salesperson, you know about cold calls, right? That is one thing that kept me from ever being in sales was cold calls. I remember one time in my life, I, I was trying to get this job as a copy, a copier salesman. Holy Lord, help me. If you're a copier salesman, I, God bless you. You are a champ. I'm just saying, you are a champ. But, you know, you have these cold calls. You would call people, hey, you want to buy a copier? No, click. It's like, wow, this is fun. It's just, it, it, it's not fun. And sometimes what we do with evangelism is we treat it that way. Is that we just show up in the, you know, we show up in the, I don't know, the grocery store or something, and we, you know, find some random lady at the teller, and, and we're just like, hey, if you die tonight, do you know where you'd go? And she's looking at you like, what the? Look, I was just trying to remember the banana codes, and you're asking me about this? Right? You don't know me. Right? And that's how sometimes we treat it. And here's the thing I want to help you with, is if you'll take your evangelism and stick it in the context of relationships, people will be more open. I'm just telling you. Because see, see, now I'm not saying that there's never a place for the cold call. There is. 
There are absolutely times that that needs to happen. But by and large, what God is asking us to do is invest in the lives of people around us and at the right moment, share what means something to us. Now, if you have a relationship with someone and you have trust in that relationship, okay, and you're friends and, you, and they bring up something about like their faith, do you get like, oh, oh God, I can't believe you brought this up. No, why? Because there's trust. There's trust. And that's what happens in our lives is as we invest deeply in the people around us, what will happen is the opportunities will become, you will get more of them, but you also will see more doors open to you in the process. As we put evangelism in that relational context, you'll see those kinds of things happen. And then finally, uh, the fourth thing that I want to say about why we don't, and that is, here it is, and this is the hardest one, so get ready. You ready? Everybody ready? You ready? This is the hardest one, is that we don't care. Like, I mean, if we're really honest, sometimes we just don't care. And this is the thing that I have to answer for myself. And, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to answer for yourself. And that is that, do I care enough to share the story with people? Like, do I, do I care enough to, to, even, to even walk through something that seems a little scary? You know, to push on a wall that I don't want to push on simply because I care enough about the relationship let me say it like this. If you knew a lion was about to eat your friend, you'd do something about it. I'm guessing, and if you wouldn't, you're a real not-so-good person. That's church language. And so if we care, we would, we would say something, Right? I love this in Romans 10. This is Paul speaking about the Jewish people. And Paul was a Jew. And he had a real, real passion in his heart for the Jewish people. And so listen to what he says in Romans 10.1. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Isn't that powerful? He, he's, he's, there's something in his heart. There's this longing in his heart for his people. And he's motivated to pray about it. And he's motivated to do something about it because he wants his people to know who God really is through Jesus Christ. That's powerful. And I love that example because it calls me to a high, it calls me to that high example. Is do I have that same passion? Am I intentionally praying for people to receive the gospel? Is that something that's a part of my life? Or do I put it aside? Do I say, well, you know, that's kind of important. That's kind of a big deal. Well, bef bef before you go too far down there, I think it's important that we understand why we should do this. If you don't know already, I want to help you. And this is where I want to spend the rest of our time, is why should we do it? What's the big deal? Well, here's number one. And this one, you ready? This, number one, is, it kind of settles the deal. You know what I mean? It's like mic drop, Jesus, pow. Here it goes. Jesus commands us to do it. Like I said, he doesn't give us some holy suggestion, you know. He's like, hey, you know, if you guys are feeling good today, you feel, you know, maybe you're feeling strong, you should maybe share your faith with people. Nope, nope, nope. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. 
Jesus doesn't mix it. He doesn't, he doesn't mince any words. He doesn't come up with some caveat or qualification. He's just pretty straightforward about what the deal is. It's kind of like there are parts of us like church, read your Bible, pray. These are essentials. These are things that we need to do as followers of Jesus so that we can grow and grow deep roots in God. And, but, but, but see, this evangelism stuff is in the same category. Like sharing your faith with people is actually in the same category. Look at this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So that's a lot of authority, right? And in the middle of that, in, he, he says in that authority, he says in verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is that unclear? Nope, it's not unclear. And we know it. The problem is, the problem is, is it's like one of those principles that we hear and we go, man, I just don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like the way that feels or, you know, it kind of freaks me out. It kind of scares me a little bit. And, and so because of that, it's like, thank you, Jesus. That's great. And then James shows up. If you know the book of James, James likes to sometimes give you a roundhouse kick to the head. I mean, theologically speaking. And so James shows up and he says this to us, and this is what we've got to hear, and this is why I told you this was hard. James says in uh, chapter 4, verse 17, he says, Remember, it is sin to, not know, to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So, What's the point I'm making? Well, I'm, you figured it out. You figured it out. And that is how important this is to Jesus. It's not, a, it's not a suggestion. And it's not just something that we should be motivated about just because of obedience. And I'm going to talk about that in a second, but there's something about what he's done in our lives that he should, it should motivate us towards the things that God has called us to do. All right, number two, number two. So, so, so Jesus commanded us, number two, is that sharing our faith will actually bring refreshment in your life. Did you know that? I actually think this is one that people miss. They miss how important that kind of diet is in their life to bringing joy, peace, refreshment into their lives. Because I, I think sometimes we forget that. But I'm telling you, when somebody gets it and you're a part of it, whoo, there is, I mean, you want to Ric Flair that thing. I mean, you're just like, whoo, right? You do because there's something powerful about someone getting what you got. And being a part of that story, I mean, anytime someone raises their hand to come into the kingdom of God, it's like, yes! And it's better than anything in this world. But many of us are starving in that area. We don't go, woo, because we don't ever tell anybody. And I'm just telling you, the Bible says that you will be refreshed when you share the gospel. Listen to this in Proverbs 11, 25. The generous, get this, the generous will prosper. Now, that's generous in a lot of ways. That's not just money. That's generous in your testimony. Generous in your witness. And so as you're generous with your witness, the Bible says you will prosper. 
And then let me go a step further. It says, those who refresh others will then themselves be refreshed. So the Bible says, look, you do this. This is what's going to happen. I, I need that in my life. I don't, I don't want to not be refreshed. And I need it so much in my life. And I, it just gets me excited every time somebody says yes to the gospel. Now, I don't know if that excites you. And I would say to you, something's wrong. And a hush fell over the room. <laughs> Guys, that should excite us. If Jesus has done a work in our hearts, th that should get to us. And we should, we should understand that. And we should cultivate that and push that out and make sure it's real. And I'm just saying to you, look, I just want you to know that if something's not clicking there, then something's wrong. And we got to figure that out. It's important. It's important. And so refreshment comes. Number three, and this is the final thing and we'll be done. Number three is that eternity is real. Like, I don't know if you know that. We typically don't think about it much. You know what I'm saying? Like we go to a funeral and then we think about our own finitude, but only there do we really contemplate it. Most of us aren't like watch, you know, writing our own obituary during our, our break at work, right? We rarely think about heaven and hell. We rarely think about eternity. But this is the thing that the Bible teaches is that all of us were designed by God to live forever. I don't know if you know that. And so people are designed by God to live forever. And someday you will die, but you will live on in eternity. And you will either live eternally with God or separated from God. Guys, it's that real. Going back to the analogy. If I knew somebody was going to die, if I knew somebody was going to get ate by a lion, I'd do something. I'd tell somebody. I'd be motivated. Now, I get that that illustration is like kind of, it's fearful, it's, it's the lion's going to eat you, and yeah, 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 I get it. And sometimes that's the thing that motivates people. But I think as you mature in your faith, what happens is you, you become less motivated, motivated by obedience, yeah, and more motivated by love. See, the law helps us. The law keeps us in line. The law gives us guardrails to live by. The law tells us this is what obedience looks like when Jesus says, do it, you should do it. So it helps us get started. But ultimately what happens is we, as we become, get face to face with Jesus and what he's done, it, 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 it grips our heart. And our motivation becomes so much different, doesn't it? Is that I see people and I don't want them to be separated from God. I want them to be with God in eternity. And so I become motivated to share the gratitude I have in my life because of what Jesus has done for me. And so it's not just, it's not just the commands, but I, I think it's, it's also a gratitude that we feel for all that Jesus has done for us. And you know, there's this guy named Jerry, and you don't know Jerry, probably. Some of you might know him. But Jerry is a guy that I believe experienced what it means to have a relationship with Jesus that leads to a place of gratitude at such a very simple level, such a very simple level that all he wanted to do was tell people about how great his God is. Let's watch this story. 
Hi, my name's Jerry, and it's my story. For two, two years, I had a father. Of course, I had no recollection of that, but uh, he left when I was two, and I grew up with my mom, and she took care of me, but I, I never felt love from my mother. Uh, I mean, I would come out from my bedroom and sit on the couch, and she had the TV, and I went to say something, and she would say, shut up, I'm watching my program. I went in the Marine Corps. I served my two years, and uh, six months after I got out, I was sitting on my bed with a 22 caliber pistol to my head, wanting to take my own life. And I had no reason for it. I didn't know why. I had a wife. I, had, I owned my home, I had a baby on the way, and there I was with a pistol to my head wanting to die. I suffered with that for 22 years, wanting to die. It ruined my marriage because along the way I would use all kind of drugs because the medication that they had for manic depression just did not work. But when I would get really bad in the suicidal ideations, that's suicidal thoughts, I, when it got really intense, I would say four words, God, please help me. I got into crack and uh, I spent $100,000 in about a year and three months. I fell down and broke my back, and my sister was so concerned, she, uh, she decided she wanted to bring me here to St. Louis, and I was in no condition to uh, say no. So I uh, agreed, and I've been uh, clean and sober and smokeless since uh, August 1st. 2014, but at, at 66, I wanted, uh, I started to believe that I knew that God had a plan for me. He let me live. And I started to think, well, if you want to find out what his plan is for you and why he let you live this long, what better place to find out than in church and I went and it was wonderful amazing unbelievable I found out that Jesus loved me there was no conditions he would forgive me for all the trash in my life I found him I love him I was accepted the only people, most of my life, I was around with bad people. This was like, whoa, I love it. I'm gonna keep coming back. I joined a group, uh, I was baptized, I was asked, and first I said no, because I didn't know if I was permitted 
uh, when I went to the first prayer meeting and pastor was giving communion and I didn't go up. So bless him, he, he walked around and came to the back of the room where I was standing and he says, you want communion? I says, am I allowed? <laughs> he said, yes. I received communion. And personally, I want all the Jesus I can get, any way I can get it. When I first came, they, I don't know if it was the, the first week or the first couple weeks, uh, I, God's my father, they told me. And I didn't have a father. I loved it. Okay, I love you back, sir. Jesus, I love you back. It's pretty clear that, that Jerry was not motivated just by obedience. But there was something that had happened in his life that led him to this place. This encounter with God that was so real, so personal. Several months ago, uh, Jerry passed away. His heart gave out. And for those of you who knew him, you were blessed to know him. Um, I had the honor and the privilege of being a part of his funeral. And one of the things I was able to do is stand up in front of people and just say, look, I know that Jesus made a difference in this man's life. I know that. And that someday I get to stand before God, I get to get to heaven, and I get to see Jerry, and it's, it's there, it's there that Jerry gets to tell me, hey, I don't have any more pain. I'm not, I'm not addicted anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm free, I'm healed in, in, in the glory of God. And it's like he gets to be a part of that. And I just, I love so much that Jerry was certain of that. You know, he was certain of that. And it led him to tell everybody he possibly could about that relationship. And so as we come to a close, one of the things that I felt like I wanted to ask us all is just, are we sure? Are we, have we finished this? Have we said, God, I'm settling this today, that I can walk out of here in confidence, knowing that this is true in my life. And I want to be able to give you that today. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. I also want to talk to believers in the room that, that, that you're like, what do I do with this? Take the card and do something with it. Begin to take a step and watch God do some amazing things. Okay, let's pray together. God, I thank you for the fact that you are in the business of saving lives. I thank you for what you did in Jerry's life. I thank you for the testimony that he gives to each one of us, even, even, even from the grave. I know that sometimes one of the reasons we don't move out in faith is because we're not certain of it. We're not certain that Christ has done that in our life. And so today I want to be able to pray for you. I want you to be able to secure this, settle it, so that you can move out and get on with it. And so right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Here it is. 
Jesus was born as a baby, came into this world. He grew into a man. And as he did, he ministered among us. But one of the things that he ushered in was God's kingdom. And as a byproduct of that, people came against him. They eventually put him on a cross for no reason. He was brutalized. He hung on that cross for what reason? Just out of obedience? No. It was out of love for you. The Bible says that God loved you so much that he sent his son. As he was pulled off that cross and put in a tomb, three days later, he beat sin, he beat death, and now he provides a bridge for you back to God. And so I just want to ask you today, are you, are, do you know that? Have you accepted that? Are you secure in that? And if you're not, I want to be able to pray for you. And so right now, with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to ask you just to simply raise your hand up in just a moment. If you're like, man, I, I just want to be sure. And so right now, on the count of three, if that's you, if you're, you're just ready to do that, on the count of three, just, just simply raise your hand up so I can see it. One, two, three. Go ahead. Go ahead. Good. Good. I see your hand. Good job. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Good job. I'm proud of you. Put your hands down. Church, um, let's all pray together so that nobody's praying alone in here. And so if you wouldn't mind, say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I need a Savior. Will you forgive me of my sins? I surrender my life to you. Will you be my Lord? Will you change me from the inside out? Give me a purpose. and Give me meaning. I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? It's so good. Amen. Amen.